this is Maureen Milliken. And this is Rebecca Milliken, and this is Crime and Stuff. The podcast that yeah, you would do if you had nothing better to do. Yeah, and we're back at Think Tank co-working. Yeah. We've been here on and off. and Yeah. So you may hear the ambiance of Interstate 295. Yeah, hopefully we'll, our sound will be okay. We I know that we have some... Yeah. Well, we're working on it. We're trying. Yeah. It's hard to find a place to do it, like a consistent place to do it. Yeah. Yes. And we have an update before we start today's topic: the Tony Sanborn hearing. And that was episode twenty-six. No. No. (laughs) Not at all. Episode twenty-two. We did a mini-sode too. I won't go into all the background because it's blah blah blah. But his hearing was last week, and I think it's still continuing, right? They're not done with it. They think it's going to last 12 days. And that's his hearing to be either retried or the conviction dropped of the murder of Jessica Briggs in 1989. He was 16 when it happened, and he was uh, 18 when he was convicted. Yes. And he served 27 years. Mm. There was a lot of evidence that wasn't given to the defense at the time. The key witness back when he was convicted, Hope Katie, who was 13 when the crime happened and 16 during the trial, and who had some emotional issues, is also legally and blind. Eyesight, yeah. Recanted her testimony. <laughs> Perfect witness, you know. The thing is that the defense did not know about her issues. Yes. At the time. And there were other things. They were not informed of a lot of it. So there Brady violations, as we learned from our last lawyer. Yeah, and who we hope to have back sometime soon. Also, the police investigators summarized the interviews instead of giving complete transcripts. Which is bullshit. That's bullshit. That should never be allowed. Right. And there were some other... I can understand, like, someone transcribing someone's handwriting. Right. I can understand that. Word for word. And have the copy of the handwritten one there with it so anyone has a question they can look at it but summarizing it no and there were other shenanigans that we talked about and i don't oh, well think the fact one of the one of the detectives on the case had two boxes of evidence in his attic yes uh, and a lot of which the defense never saw but i haven't heard anything or you know reading it about it in the paper i haven't seen anything that we didn't really report on in our no. episode 22 In fact, we had a little more depth about some of the witnesses and what was going on there. But we plan to, once a decision is made, do an episode on it. Yeah, I think we should. Yeah, definitely. And so that's our update. Do we have anything else? I don't think so. I'm trying to think, and I I don't know. Okay, well, today's topic, I'm kind of going back. When we first started doing this podcast, one of the things we wanted to do is take things that were happening in the news in elaborate on them for people who may not know the whole story it may be an interesting story and so and i'm just saying that because well this the story is still developing Ooh. and it's still evolving is just a couple day yeah just a couple days ago there was and there was big news on it so by the time this comes out there may be other developments but it was too good to not okay and I'm it's excited. the story of journalist kim wall and her deadly submarine trip ah denmark And before we start, I got information from a number of sources for the story, but the best ones and the ones that obviously did a lot of their own work and got some great details were the Australian and CGTN News, which is China Global Television Wow, interesting. Yes, it was interesting. A lot of the other stuff was, and the New York Times had some good stuff. The failing New York Times? (laughs) Yeah, they're so awful. (laughs) Also at paywalls, and I tried to actually get subscriptions to the New York Times and the Guardian 
because I felt if I'm using their stuff, I should get subscriptions, and we use them fairly yeah. often. But my failing, for some reason, mm-hmm. my failing credit card wouldn't go through. Oh, Although gee. I do have money in my account. Not that it's anyone's business. No, really. No in any case, uh, some of the information reported as universal, but when there are unique aspects, I'll try to credit, okay. um, give credit where it's due. And there are also, as you'll see, some misinformation and contradictory information, stuff that happens when people are just constantly, like the game of telephone, constantly picking yep. up information. We find that, and I think anybody that does any kind of research like this, yes. you find that all the time. It's very frustrating. And there's one very interesting one when we get to Ooh. that's been misreported by everyone except for the Australian. I'm not sure which one is true because I don't know Danish, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yes. Everybody. I know, I know. I, I, you'll see when I get to it why I think the Australian's right. So, Kim Wall was an adventurous investigative journalist with degrees from the Columbia School of Journalism and the London School of Economics. Ooh. Yeah. A 30-year-old Swede, her stories covered the globe and were printed in the New York Times, The Guardian, Harper's, Time Magazine, and many other top-notch publications. That's pretty good for a 30-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yes. Unlike Rory. I know. And, I and about Gilmore, Rory Girls. And Gilmore Girls. I know. Not to trivialize Fuck her. She liked the people side of things, her friends and colleagues said, the human element and what makes people tick, and that helped drive her stories, particularly people who are marginalized or the underreported. So it wasn't out of the ordinary that she'd crossed the narrow channel between Sweden and Denmark on August 10th to interview Peter Masden, an entrepreneur and inventor. In fact, he called himself an inventorpreneur. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Who was well-known in Denmark and was the owner of one of the world's largest self-built submarines. Hmm. In the early hours of the morning of August 11th, her boyfriend phoned police to say she hadn't come home and he was concerned. And by the way, for people who don't know... Denmark and Sweden are very close, and there's a a bridge that you can go across to get from country to country, so it's not like she was going to be gone for days or anything. A few hours later, Masden was picked up in the water between Denmark and Sweden. He said the sub had sunk, but he dropped Wall off near where he'd originally picked her up after the interview had concluded and she wasn't on it. Hmm. Little did Wall or anyone else know that this would be her last story. Wall was born in 1987 and grew up in Trelleborg, Sweden. Her father was a longtime journalist for the Swedish newspaper Expressen, and her brother was a photojournalist for many Swedish publications. Mm. She wasn't well known in Sweden because her work generally appeared in English language publications. Wow. But she was known and respected, particularly in the journalism world around the world. A degree from the Columbia School of Journalism is about as good as it gets as far as journalism education goes. That's and what you have, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I have a degree from the Journalism School of Hard Knocks. Mm. And her work reflected that. As her journalism career progressed, she alternated between New York and Beijing. And friends say she was on the verge of moving to Beijing for good with her boyfriend. Oh, that's why the China Yeah, she spent a lot of time there and did a lot of work for English language publications in China. That was one of her bases. She was like, she seemed to live in a lot of different places. I always kind of envy people like that, but I'm also kind of like, it scares me. I know, there's no place like home. Yeah. Peter Masden also had found some celebrity in his 46 years. He was born in Denmark in 1971, and the New York Times reported that he was one of four sons raised in the town of Hong on the island of Zealand off the west coast of Denmark, which I'm like, oh, that must be where they get New Zealand from. That's the oh, old maybe. Zealand. On the coast of Denmark by an abusive single father. Hmm, sounds fun. Mm-hmm. His father was a carpenter who, among other things, built barracks and bunkers for the Nazis who occupied the country during World War II. 
And that's not an indictment of him because the circumstances were probably such that he didn't have a choice. But yeah. It's still worth noting. Masden was a science whiz from a young age whose primary interest was rockets, which he started building as a boy. He launched his first rocket after two unsuccessful tries from a field behind his school when he was 15. It went 330 feet into the air. He told a biographer, Peter, and I, excuse me if I don't get some of these names right, but I, some of them have... Or American. I know, some of them have letters I don't even recognize. Yeah. So. But he told a biographer, Peter Dursling, I'm going to pronounce okay. it, that he used to count down the hours in school until he could go out and work on his rockets. His ego started developing early, too. Mm. He bragged to Dursling that he once spent two hours on the phone with someone from the Navy Materials Commission getting information, quote, and getting so much information because he doesn't know I'm 15. And, by the way, this is reported by the New York Times. I haven't read his biography. I was going to say, is it really his ego or just he's a bullshitter? That could be, too. Okay, anyway, go on. He would also pepper chemistry and physics teachers with questions and he even made up an organization, the Danish Space Agency, to use when he wanted to get information for his rocket projects. <laughs> and no one laughed. When right. He said, no, I'm sorry. Anyone from Denmark, don't. They're don't very hold polite. They wouldn't, they wouldn't hold it against you. I've read in all these articles that they're very polite in Denmark. And happy. Aren't they one it of the happiest say, countries? I, I didn't read that. I just oh, read that they were study. polite. Oh, okay. That isn't, I guess, not germane to this. <laughs> Masden went to college to study engineering, but left before he got a degree. Hmm. He was too smart. Yeah, I guess so. He couldn't be hemmed in by their box. And I want to interrupt myself <laughs> for a minute, because that's what I do. To say, if people feel I'm concentrating more on Masden, we'll hear a lot more about Wall later, so don't get frustrated. That yeah, I'm, man. In any case, he built his first submarine in 2002, though rocket ships and space travel were still a primary interest particularly space travel as a tourism industry, mm. private space travel. In 2008, he co-founded Copenhagen Suborbitals. He and his partners and some volunteers built the UC3 Nautilus, the sub that Kim Wall would die on, mm. through crowdfunding, and at that time it was the biggest privately made submarine in the world. Ooh. One of three he'd built, it was 60 feet long, mm could carry eight people and weighed 40 tons, and that's T-O... Oh, that's pretty big. That's T-O-N-N-E-S, fully equipped, and that's a metric ton, T-O-N-N-E, which is 2,240 pounds, uh, so a little bigger than a U.S. ton, which is 2,000 pounds. Okay. That's big. It's a big sub. Yeah, I pictured when I read it, it was a homemade... Like a little homemade one, <laughs> like, like yellow submarine or something. No, yeah. yeah. He and his board members and the volunteers had a falling out in 2014, though, and they transferred the sub's ownership to him in 2015. Did you find out? How much did it cost to make? Just, I don't know. Oh, okay. I do not you know. You can cut now. that out so people it, it'd be know Danish. how poorly you. It, it'd be Danish money anyway. <laughs> so I would, yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. It's been widely reported. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> It's been, <laughs> now I'm hungry. It's been widely reported that he texted his partners in 2015, quote, There is a curse on Nautilus. That curses me. There will never be peace on Nautilus as long as I exist. That text was described in Danish by the volunteers on the sub's website. Intriguing, no? It's, yeah. But the Australian reports, and this seems like a more likely translation, you shouldn't think that there's a curse on Nautilus. There's a curse on me. 
Ah, that makes that more makes sense. more sense. Yeah. It implied that because of his personality, he causes problems for the sub. Whatever problems they were having, he was kind of taking the blame for whatever problems they were having. Many of the stories I've read describe Denmark as a country of unfailing politeness. And they say that Mazden stood out for his mercurial temper, boasting, and single-mindedness, which they said made it difficult, many colleagues said made it difficult for him to work with others. Most who knew him well also said they had trouble believing he'd kill someone. But wouldn't we all say that about someone we knew, even somebody we didn't like? Most people. Yeah. I think most people you'd say... But there are some people that you'd be like, yeah, you I You just can can't. It's, I know, but it's... But seriously, though. Yeah, no. It's hard to believe somebody you know, right? Depends on how, too. Right. While lived in an apartment near Mazden's Copenhagen workshop, one source told the Australian, although it's more widely reported, that she lived across the channel in Sweden with her boyfriend. She was known to crash with friends when working on a story, so that could be where the confusion lies. In any case, a source close to Mazden told the Australian that the two were introduced through a mutual friend, and witnesses saw the two talking outside his workshop a few hours before the submarine trip, and it's assumed Wall was interviewing him for her story. Most sources say the two didn't know each other before she started working on the story, which was going to be a profile of him, and Danish police have reviewed emails between them and found them to be all of a professional nature and nothing personal or anything untoward. Wall boarded the sub with Mazden around 7 p.m. August 10th. The pair set off from the docks of Ref... I'm going to pronounce it Ref Shalone. I may have that wrong. Any listeners in Denmark, you can set me straight on my pronunciation. Let us know. I won't be offended. Near where Mazden's workshop was, and video taken around 8.30 p.m. by a passenger on a cruise ship in the harbor caught Wall and Mazden standing in the sub's hatch area, and Wall's smiling, and you can see photos of that and the video on, it's all over the internet. At midnight, the sub was seen near the Orasund Bridge. And by the way, Orasund is the strait between Denmark and Sweden. Okay. The Orasund Bridge, which links Denmark and Sweden by a merchant vessel. The sub had no lights and was near the Sweden side of the Orasund. At 2.30 in the morning, Wall's boyfriend called police to say she hadn't returned home, and he was concerned. The sub didn't have satellite tracking, and rescuers started searching for it. It was sighted by a lighthouse in the Orisund around 10 a.m. And also several publications have really nice interactive maps showing where all this stuff was online. That's pretty cool. Mazden was finally reached, but by the time rescuers got to the sub around 11 a.m., it was sinking, and he jumped off and was picked up out of the water by rescuers. Shortly after, he got off the boat, the rescue boat, onto the jetty in the harbor, and he gave a thumbs up to reporters who had gathered. He said the sub had sunk and he'd barely escaped with his life and that he'd been alone on it. He said he dropped Wall off at a restaurant in Ref Shalone at about 10.30 p.m. near the harbor where they'd first gotten on the sub. Quote, I am fine but sad because Nautilus went down, he told reporters. <clears throat> a minor problem with a ballast tank turned into a major issue. I couldn't close the hatch or anything, but that might be okay as I would still be down there then. Wall, however, couldn't be found, and, as I said, she'd not arrived home when expected. The restaurant she was supposedly dropped off at was heavily covered by surveillance cameras, and the owner, Bo Peterson, gave police the footage. No one has said publicly what the video showed, but it's a good guess it didn't show Wall or the submarine dropping her off there. Meanwhile, the submarine was picked up from the bottom of Kogi Bay, and investigators found traces of blood on board. Mm. And the Australian writes, The Danish tabloids, which had been reporting an inventor's escape from a sinking submarine, began to speculate 
about a murder case. Mm-hmm. So Masden, this is me again, who'd been detained by police after his rescue, was charged with involuntary manslaughter on August 12th, and police said he gave them a new account of events. He didn't trap her off after all. Yeah. That new account later came out in court a few weeks later, but it was that there was a terrible accident, quote-unquote, on board, and he buried her at sea in Kogi Bay, but couldn't pinpoint exactly where. Okay, if that were true... We'll get to it later, believe me. Yeah, okay. His lawyer said at the time he accepts the arrest but denies the crime. On August 13th, police said it had been determined that the sub had been deliberately sunk. On August 21st, a woman's torso was found... Sorry. Yeah, I should have sent some warning up on that. I knew it, but... This gets grosser, by the way. Okay. A woman's torso was found on the shore of Amager Island by a cyclist not far from where the sub sank. The limbs and head had been removed by deliberate cutting. Police chief... I hope I never find anything like that. Yeah. That's why I don't like going outside. I know, I know. I'm always, like I was at a book talk yesterday talking about how one of the things I mentioned was the opening for my first novel where a body's found in a melting snowbank. It was because I was out running and there was a snowbank melting and I'm like, ooh, what if there was a body in there? And then I said to the gathered audience, it's like when you go to a state park, you know, before you open the outhouse door, don't you say, ooh, what if there's a body in there? And everybody just kind of looked at me blankly. Yeah, so I guess most people don't think like that. I don't usually think that. I do. I also look down the outhouse because remember that guy in New Hampshire that was down in him? But that's a story for a different day. In any case, the torso... Oh, there was a guy in Maine that was doing that too. I guess it's a thing. Why? One guy said he was looking for his wedding ring. So back to the torso. The limbs and head had been removed by deliberate cutting, police chief investigator Chens Moeller Jensen said. And I take that to mean that the limbs were obviously cut off, not bitten off by a shark if they have them there or lost. Or sometimes they just separate. Right, lost through decomposition. And it had been weighted down with a belt attached to a pipe. Hmm. Or a pipe attached by a belt, I guess you would say. Two days later, on August 23rd, and so this is two weeks after the trip, it was confirmed to be Wall. Moeller Jensen said the torso's DNA, as well as the blood on the sub, matched Wall's which they'd gotten her DNA from her toothbrush and her hairbrush to match. He also said the body had apparently been punctured to let the air out before Ew. sinking it. Well, there's more. The punctures were actually knife wounds, so the body had been stabbed. I think some of this has to do with translations. Okay, yeah. Okay. And I'm not sure if any of this was said in English, but when I read it, then I get to later parts and I'm like, oh, that's what they're talking about. But the punctures were knife wounds, to mm-hmm. her rib cage and genitals. Yeah. They were actually stab wounds that were made around the time or shortly after her death. And although they said, according to some reports, other marks showed the body had been pressed to, quote, let the air out, they said at first that they felt the stab wounds were made so the body wouldn't float. I'm not sure why they would automatically leap to the conclusion that they did. Fourteen of those stab wounds were to the genital area. Mm. And in any case, you'll see later that they revised their opinion on why there were stab wounds. I was just going to say, and that you may later on, but I'll just say it. Maybe that's what he told them. It's like possible, he, yeah. Like he said, oh, there, there was an accident, so I was going to bury her at sea, so I stabbed her to, to let, let the, the air, air out. out. But my first Which, reaction you know, to whatever. stab wounds to the genitals would yeah. not be, oh, yeah, he's letting the air I out. I know shit. Yeah, there's easier places to stab the body. I know. On August 24th, abuse of a corpse was added to the charges against Madsden, but he denied cutting off her limbs. And did I say earlier that the initial charges on August 
12 for involuntary manslaughter or negligent manslaughter, the whatever the translation is. Okay. A nearly five-hour hearing was held September 5th. And at the hearing, more details came out of Mazden's story. Mm -hmm. He said that after the submarine returned to the surface that night, he climbed through the hatch and was holding it open for Wall. And he said the hatch weighed about 150 pounds. And he was holding it open for her to follow him through when he lost hold of it because it was wet and slippery and it struck her in the head causing her to fall to the submarine's floor. He said he heard a thud as she fell to the floor and was bleeding from a fractured skull. He said he went down and checked her, and she didn't have a pulse. Quote, it was a terrible accident, a disaster. No doctor could have done anything. Kim was severely injured. There was a pool of blood where she landed. And yes, so of course your first instinct is, I will dismember her and bury her at sea. Right? Well, yeah, you know. Well, here's what he says. Mazden said he decided to bury her at sea, and he attached a metal weight around her waist so her body would sink, and he planned to sink his submarine, taking his own life. They always planned to do that, but somehow they yeah, never got around to it. He denied amputating her limbs and said the body was whole when he dropped it into the water, and it was several hours after her death because he took a nap first because he was tired and exhausted. Oh, poor baby. And I want to point out, I've seen that in some other Cases of serial killers. Where they take a nap. There's such a release because oh. they finally, you know, they they have all this pent up whatever it is and they have to kill. And once they do it, there's such a release that they take a nap. And lots of times people will say, well, that just shows how, how cavalier or casual they were about killing this person that they were able to go take a nap instead of being all keyed up. The thing is, was I'm not saying right now he's a serial killer, but the, but I just want to point out that that's a fairly common interesting thing and uh, on the other hand if if that had really happened to you when you weren't a killer you'd be so keyed up i can't imagine how you would take a nap first of all the first thing i would think of wouldn't be to bury them well i'm getting to his rationale for that okay quote in my shock i thought it was the right thing to do Mm, he said maybe i didn't want a dead body in my submarine you i had no contact with the body I put a rope around her feet to drag her out. I thought a fitting end for Peter Madison would be on board the Nautilus. And red flag, third person discussion of himself. What? Okay. If someone died by your hand accidentally, who wasn't... I can see if it was like your child or something. Then you'd dismember them and bury no, them. No, but you might feel suicidal yes. if you killed somebody that you love. If you accidentally caused the death of someone that you didn't know very well, I mean, yeah, it's a horrible thing. Well, he also says... Unless he felt like his sub was in jeopardy. I don't know, but I just well, don't, I don't believe the suicidal more. story. Okay. He says, I couldn't continue the life I had been living. Which to me says more about some things that are going to come up later mm-hmm. than her dying accidentally. He changed his mind, he said, because he wanted to see his wife and three cats. <laughs> well, I can understand the cats. Me too. My kitties would be upset if, if I just disappeared one day. What would they do? Right. I know that mine too. And well, they I don't think mine would. They care. wouldn't judge me if I killed somebody. No, they wouldn't. No. They probably well, like mine, she kills things all the time. Yeah. He had no explanation for Wall's severed head and limbs. <laughs> the Guardian said. Just... He said she was quote in one piece when he last saw the body. I don't know. She was. I, they were all there. You know. I don't know. Maston testified that her clothing had come off when he threw the body overboard. Prosecutor Jacob Booch Jepson said a pair of women's underpants and tights were found in the engine room of the sub. So I guess they came off and then fell, because you know how easily they tights... They came off and went, <laughs> tights floated into off. the engine room, I yeah. guess. Asked by Butch Jepson whether he had ever carried a saw on the vessel, Mazden said he had, but there was none on board the day wall. 
went out with him. Especially after he threw it off. Yeah. Well, more on that later, too. Okay. The court also heard testimony that he allegedly has a taste for violent pornography uh, and sadomasochistic uh, sex. That there were claims that he had sex with several women on board the submarine. I didn't see anywhere that elaborated on the sex with several women, so I don't know if there were charges he sexually assaulted women. Or if which, there were sex workers that he took on with them, or, or girlfriends. Or he took dates. I can see... I'm not defending him or anything, but I can see if you're a guy and you have your own submarine yeah, yeah. saying to chicks, it's like hey, the, the modern, yeah. you know, instead of want to come see my etchings in my room, it's want to come see yeah. my submarine. But again, it's a little, I'm not sure if, tran- you know, I wouldn't say he had sex if it was assaulting yes. So I'm not sure what. But it's hard when things are translated. It is. And according to the autopsy report, her DNA was found on his nostrils, hands, and neck. The Guardian, an oh-so-British prose, said Masden's testimony was not embraced by the judge, and she described his claims as not reasonable. Or to put it in good old Maine parlance, his story didn't pass the straight face test. That's right, baby. The charge against Masden was upgraded from involuntary manslaughter to manslaughter, and Judge Annette Burke ordered him to be detained for four more weeks. And again, this was on September 5th. And she said, I find there is reasonable suspicion that the detainee is guilty of murder. But the charge was just upgraded to manslaughter because they hadn't finished investigating. I didn't have time to look up the Danish legal system, but it sounds like you could be held as the investigation progresses and they have regular hearings to decide if the charges will be upgraded or you'll be out a little different from our bail or not bail system. Hmm. Masden, at least at the time, was going to appeal the decision He had refused to submit to a voluntary psychiatric examination, his lawyer said, but the court at the time ordered uh, ordered an involuntary one. Since that hearing, things have happened quickly. In the past couple weeks, police divers found bags in Kogi Bay with Wall's head and legs Ah! and her clothes weighed down by bits of metal. Yeah, but that other person that came along underwater probably did that. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Anybody could have done it. Police said there was no sign of the skull fracture that Masden said Uh, killed her. uh, uh. They planned to examine the parts they found to determine a cause of death, and a cause of death, as far as I know, hasn't been established yet. Her arms haven't been found either. Police also found videos, quote, which we presume to be real, unquote, of women being strangled, burned, and decapitated on Peter Masden's computer <gasps> in a laboratory he ran. They ah. said it doesn't appear as though he made the videos himself. Oh, he just, he just downloaded them. them. Okay. Masden said the computer searched by police was not his, but was used by everyone in the laboratory. But all reports are that it was his. That revelation just adds to the talk since early in the case that he was involved in Copenhagen's S&M scene. Hmm. And it throws a different light on those stab wounds. Mm. Prosecutors now say it's possible he killed Wall as part of a sexual fantasy, then dismembered and mutilated her body. Which, frankly, I would have thought that possible, considering where the stab wounds were. Yes, yes. Just this past Thursday, and that was October 12th, police divers Mm. found a saw in Kogi Bay that they believe could have been used to decapitate Wall. By the time this comes out, they may have determined if it was or not. It was found near where her head, clothes, and legs were found. Uh. Masden stopped talking to police when her head and legs were found, and he's being Smart held. Smart of him. Yes, he's being held until October 31st, when a court will decide if he'll continue to remain in custody ahead of a possible trial. The case has also prompted police in the Skane area of Sweden and Denmark, and that's the southern area of the two countries, and apparently it belonged to Denmark and then went to Sweden, and it's not clear to me. I'm sorry, 
I apologize to our European listeners, but it has also prompted police in both Sweden and Denmark to look at other unsolved cases and starting, they're upgrading their databases, so starting next month they're going to be able to share information. Swedish TV4 reported that the southern region of Skane has around 120 unsolved killings. Wow. Bo Ludquist, head of the cold case unit in Skane, said that we also have cases with quartered bodies. Oh. Maston's DNA is expected to be tested against the unsolved killings once the DNA databases are upgraded. The most prominent of the cases that they're looking into is that of Kazuko Toyonaga, who was 22 when she was killed in Copenhagen in 1986. Hmm. She was a student from Tokyo traveling around Europe. She disappeared in Copenhagen as she was finishing her trip. A few weeks later, a black bag was found in the harbor that contained the lower part of her torso and her legs. Her upper body and arms were found later. Her head and belongings were never found. Well, like Wall, the cause of death was never determined. It was determined she was killed before her body parts were thrown in the water, which I make sense. Um, <laughs> well, you know. The one issue with this being Mazden is that he would have been 15 at the time she was yeah. killed. And while it's not beyond imagination that a 15-year-old would kill, the likelihood of him having the means and ability to dismember and dispose of the body is in question, though his father was a carpenter. Also last week, Columbia University held a memorial for Wall and is setting up a scholarship in her name. Friends and family say they've been unhappy with much of the reporting surrounding the journalist and her death. Nancy Chosky, a close friend, told CGTN Digital News, quote, The questions that were being asked were sometimes facile and other times blatantly sexist. Why was she with him alone? Why did she get on the submarine? Did she know and trust him? These questions betray an understanding of how reporting works, but they also betray a certain paternalistic view on how women journalists should do their jobs. We wanted to reclaim the narrative and send more women out to do the work Kim would have done. Wall was studying Mandarin and thought of China as the place where she could ultimately settled down, Chosky said. In fact, she and her boyfriend had paid a deposit on a lease for an apartment in Beijing shortly before her death, and they planned to move there in August. Kim was, this is another quote from Chosky, Kim was studying Mandarin and kept returning to China over the past five years. She was fascinated by the sweeping changes unfolding there, and she thought of it as the place where she would ultimately settle down. CGTN reported that Wall's flatmate in Beijing, Zhani, described her as, quote, a bundle of joy, energy, and eagerness in a web tribute. Every time Kim would come back from one of her trips to stay on someone's sofa, she would regale us with the most incredible stories of the adventures she'd had. These were told with no ego or to impress, but a desire to share the narratives of the people that she'd met. They always came across in a way like Kim couldn't quite understand why everyone wasn't doing these things, as running away from Sri Lankan police or getting stuck up a mountain in southwest China were perfectly normal activities. It was this outgoing, non-judgmental, and curious attitude that made her a wonderful friend and an absolute powerhouse of a journalist, he said. CGTN writes that Wall had worked in Australia as a reporter for the Swedish Embassy, for a European Union delegation in India, and as a young journalist at the South China Morning Post in Hong Kong. Her works were published in many international publications, including the New York Times, as I said earlier, Mm -hmm. South China Morning Post, Harper's Magazine, The Guardian, The Atlantic, Al Jazeera, Hmm. BBC, Vice, Foreign Policy, and Time Magazine. Quote, Kim reported on counter-narratives and about miss or underrepresented places and people, Chosky said with a particular focus on what subcultures can teach us about the bigger picture. Her stories combined rigorous shoe leather reporting with a foreign policy lens. 
Her work reflected her own sensibility. She was brilliant, nuanced, and funny. Her story shook up cliches, stereotypes, and Western-centric narratives about empowerment and development. Her family and friends have founded the Kim Wall Memorial Fund, which has already raised more than $95,000 with a target of 100000 which will fund a female reporter to cover subculture in what Kim liked to call the undercurrents of rebellion, Chosky said. Quote, Kim wanted more women to be out in the world brushing up against life, and we would like to help bend the world in her vision. Aww. So, as I said, that story's developing, and I'm sure we'll find out more. But it sounds to me, you know, he's not been convicted, but the most likely thing seems like he was up to no good. And And you wonder if he has done it before. I mean, maybe the only reason that maybe he hadn't done it on the sub before, and maybe he hadn't done it to somebody that was connected to another person and well-known. That's what I was thinking. Like if he had, the way a lot of serial killers, as we know, and and most of our listeners aren't sure are know, they pick people who aren't going to be missed a lot of times. People on the fringes, I'm sure he could easily have done that. You know, it surprised me that number of unsolved. 120. 120. That I think that the population of Scandinavia, all of the countries is something like 21 million or something. It's not yeah, huge. It's not, but they don't say what range of time. And, what, and, and also what population, you know, what area. That it's I that skein. Yeah. That skein area. Like, <laughs> but, you but, know, there, there are. As but we, I'm sure any large population, you'd find a, a number of. Well, and unsolved. as we talked about in episode, uh, no, I'm not going to remember what it was. I think possibly 31 about the, the yes. Connecticut River Valley serial killer. About the number of unsolved homicides. And the number of, women. of serial killers working. Right. In New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine. You know, I don't know the comparison between the population or the geographic area but before dna testing became such a great tool is somebody would randomly kill somebody and dump their body and how do you solve it now how do you and the thing is there's a lot of unsolved the original night stalker for instance where there's other murders that they think he might did or he might be connected to murders in two different parts of california well maybe he is but also it's not like one person's doing that there are people all Mm -hmm. over the place and that's why when we talked about david berkowitz a few episodes ago he said in one of his letters to jimmy breslin that there are more of me out there there are more monsters out there or whatever he said And, and some people took that to mean oh he had accomplices that's not what he's saying he's just saying that there and there are we all know there are people victimizing women or preying on women mostly sometimes men everywhere i mean jeffrey dahmer picked men well and the guy who's Dumping drunk young college men in the and, water. And then writing a happy face somewhere yeah. near, <laughs> yeah. sometimes miles sometimes. away, but sometimes it's, it's you know. Near. And no. also, too, and I listened to the Case Files podcast about the original. Yes, Night Stalker. Night Stalker. And the, e, the Easter. Right. Sorry, it's, a long, it's a long involved name with an acronym. And that was a five parts. It was good. In any case, we learned from that and we've learned from other things that police agencies, particularly before the, you know, computer age, didn't communicate with each other. And when I first read that Sweden and Denmark were going to join their DNA databases, I'm like, why, they haven't yet? And then I realized what I'm thinking of is, you know, the U.S. with our national database, they're different, they're separate European countries. Or is our database joined with Canada? Canada, exactly. Or Mexico. When I first heard about this 
case. At first, when they said puncture wounds, I was picturing like puncture, like an ice pick. Yeah. And I still thought that was a weird, a weird thing to do. I guess if you're not thinking straight or something, you do something. And also about the marks that showed somebody had pressed on her. I'm like, well, what does that mean? That there were bruises, which could be from anything. And my first thought was, it sounds to me more like what a serial killer. Like with a sexual overtones would do. And that's why I wondered if when he originally spun his story, when they said, well, how come there's these knife wounds? Oh, well, that was so I could get the air out of her. But if you were going to do that, say you were going to do that, let's just for the sake of argument say that that's a thing to do. Okay. I would stab the person like in the, maybe the thighs, but the front of the thighs and the stomach. I wouldn't even know. You know, I wouldn't I, I can understand trying to get their lungs, the air out of their lungs, out of their stomach, maybe. Yeah. I don't know, because I, I'm not. Is there that much air in the body? I don't know. I mean, because the body's going to bloat up as it decomposes. Maybe to keep it from bloating. Is, I, I am so, I, I, I yeah. And, and I the other thing is, So even if you're in a situation, say he was telling the truth, say that was you and you're showing someone your sub and the hat hits them on the head and they die. I would say, oh my holy fucking God, I have to go get help. Yeah. I'm surprised that somebody is science savvy and technology savvy as he is didn't have communication devices or GPS or anything on the sub. Well, maybe he did that for a reason. Maybe. Or maybe he did have it and he disabled it because he's going to have a cute... 30-year-old right. reporter coming by. Right, and one question, too, is if he planned, whether he's done this before or not, if it, if he planned it or if it was just an opportunity. It seems to me, on one hand, if he planned it, he would have had a better... Yeah. But I think a lot of our views of people's quote-unquote plans are guided by watching TV and stuff. And people, especially people who think they're well, smarter. He, yes, I was going to say, he thought it was going to go a certain way and it didn't. Right. And maybe he had seduced women previously. And I'm not saying that as a euphemism. Maybe he brought women on there and they got it on or whatever and it was consensual. Or maybe he or did pressure women. Maybe he thought that he you know, was going to get lucky and it didn't turn out the way he wanted to. And, and he got violent. But, but he did have a saw. To saw her limbs off. Yeah, but maybe he had a saw there anyway. Yeah. I mean, you would have tools like that, I would think, just in case of an emergency, you would have stuff. I don't know why you would need a saw, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been on a sub, and I don't plan (laughs) to. I don't ever. I also want to talk about, and this is another thing, and I mentioned it towards the end of the report, but I had heard a lot of when this first happened. What was she doing going on there with him? What was she... That's all by people who aren't journalists. As a journalist... As a female journalist. She's interviewing him and she's going on this. Yeah. Yes, you do that. You go on. And one thing is you feel, in a lot of cases, protected by the fact that you're a journalist. Yeah. People know me. They know they where, know I'm, where going. I'm going. They know where I'm going to go. Yeah. It's possible he didn't know she had a boyfriend waiting at home who would get but worried. But even any job, like my job, I used to do interior painting. People would say, can you come look at this job and quote it? I would go over to people's houses by myself, quote the job. Even my job now, can you come over and measure my kitchen? I tell people I'm going to measure. I tell them where I'm going. Right. I go and do it. And he a was real a real estate well- agent. They go. I mean, we had we we haven't talked about any of these cases where the real except for Cole. Ha- no, even him. No, we haven't talked about any with real estate agents, but right. there have been a few. It's your job. And most, I mean, 99.9% of the time, the person is not a killer. But then when it does happen, people are like, ooh, she went there alone. I mean, well, what are you supposed to do? And, and as I said, and as her friend said, people don't understand 
how journalism works. You know, and he was a famous guy. He was a well-known guy. You don't assume that's going to happen. I will say, when I was a young journalist in Manchester, New Hampshire, when I was still a reporter. A cub reporter. A cub, no, I wasn't really a cub. I, I was, don't even know what that means. I, I think just, it's like back, like Jimmy Olsen, know. you know, like you're an intern or He's something. He's a photographer. Oh, yeah. Anyways, right. go but, on. But I was probably, it's when I covered Manchester City Hall, and I was 26 or 27. And there was a guy who was a developer in town, and he was fairly well-to-do, and he was older than I was, I would say, late 30s. I would see him at alderman's meetings, and I'd interview him on the phone. I never, at his place of business or anything, for stories. But he asked me several times to go up in his plane with him, and... There was just something about him that I didn't want to do that. You know, when I was young... I wouldn't want to do it anyway because I'd get sick. Yeah, but, you know, and he was <laughs> going to show me, like, aerial, you oh, know, so I could... he was. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to something here. Okay. I just really felt strongly. And part of it, too, when you're that age, and it was, you know, 30 years ago, and you, especially as a reporter... You want to be nice to people and not burn bridges. There are things as a reporter I would sometimes do, you know, nothing unethical or sleazy or anything, that I didn't really want to just, because I didn't want, I was too polite to say no or didn't want to say no. But I just felt so strongly that I didn't want to go in this guy's plane. Yeah. And even though he was going to show me, like, aerial views of certain developments we had been talking about and stuff, so he said, but several years later, he was murdered. <laughs> Did they catch the person that did it? I think they finally did, years later. Wow. So as a reporter, sometimes your instincts are, and there have been times, you know, I've had to interview people or been with people that I felt were creepy, but I never felt I was in physical danger. And yet you you can't, I mean, we've just recent things we've read about certain famous men, a reporter from People Magazine that got got attacked, Mm -hmm. and... With the what's going on now with uh, Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. a reporter, he apparently masturbated yeah. in front yeah, of. Yeah, oh. So and did you notice like all the news reports? Like many of them are so reluctant to say masturbate. Like they use all these euphemisms oh, yeah. like pleasure himself. Is masturbate? Why can't you just say masturbate? I know. Someone's like, but why didn't she go write about it? It's like Jesus Christ. People, people. do not you know, understand. Fuck you all. Anybody, anybody who <sighs> wonders why a woman, there are two different things. First of all, as a female reporter. You have to be able to do your job, so you're not going to avoid situations. Especially someone like him. I you're going to assume most people, right, a famous person. But the other thing is, too, as we can see what's happened, you know, and the Harvey Weinstein thing is an exception, and maybe things are turning around, but as we saw what happened when those women accused Donald Trump before the election, they were vilified. They were questioned. They were brought into We've question. Said it many, many times. I think statistics show that a huge majority of women who have been sexually assaulted, whether by famous people or not, haven't said a word about it to anyone because they know the shit that's going to come their way. And, you know, it's funny when you're on Twitter, I can't even remember what, you know, people questioning the the accusers. And it's like your questioning of the accusers is proving the point about why people don't come. Well, look at the 60 plus women who have accused Bill Cosby. They're all lying 
right? And why is and he why in jail? And why would he lie? Like, right. why would you? And well, because they want money and fame, because that's obviously what you that, get when yeah, you, you accuse get, you a get, famous man yeah, of get, Yeah, like, because they're, they're all, all famous, rich and famous. Rich women, women, yeah. It's funny, I just saw one today, I don't know how long ago it was, it must have been 15 or 20 years ago, Courtney Love. Well, not 20, because it was after, it was after her film career started, so maybe 15 years ago, where she was on the red carpet, somebody asked her something, and she said, like, what have you learned, or so I can't remember, and she said, well, if Harvey Weinstein asks you to go to a party in his hotel room, don't go. Yeah. Well, they showed lots of things, like a couple jokes on 30 Rock, Jane Krakowski. I can't remember the jokes now, but she made a couple very funny jokes. Because she probably, if she ever met him and Tina, then people, instead of bitching about him they bitch about people like uh meryl streep that once defended him people should stop focusing on what people didn't do or what people didn't say or how could george clooney not have known one thing about people who sexually harass people even when it's an open secret like this was they pick their people and they pick their That's places. Right. They pick who they can pray on. And they pick You're not going to pray, pray on, on Meryl Streep. Right. You're going to pray on the 20-year-old girl that's hoping for a bit part. Right. And Meryl Streep may have heard things, but people hear things. and You hear things, but then you don't, you know, just think about in your personal life, too. There was a, a certain person I knew when I was growing up. You heard things. Don't go in the room alone with him. Don't be. And once I was alone with him. Did I talk about this in another I one? I don't think so, no. We were at a party in the woods because that's what we did when we were teenagers yeah. in the 80s. I was looking for a friend of mine, and he said, oh, I know where he is. <laughs> Come He's with in me. my pants. <laughs> Sorry. And I said, okay, this was before I had heard anything about him. And he was somebody I'd known since we were little kids. And he grabbed me, and he didn't really try anything. He tried to kiss me. I pushed him away, and he got upset, and I and I left. And then the cops came to the party, so we all ran out, and there was a trail. It was in the woods. And he was behind me, and he shoved me, so I fell on the ground, and a uh, stick or a root or something stabbed into my neck and somebody picked me up and I still have mm, I don't oh, know if yeah, you still wow. see the scar yeah, there's like yeah. a little scar I still have yeah. the scar the next day I was at my friend's house and a guy I didn't know came over she knew him and he said oh, you're the one he shoved he's like stay away from him he's horrible and then after that people did used to joke about it I remember a girl but people used to be like oh he's fine if he's not drunk just stay away from him well when and he's that's drunk. the thing that's one thing how things have changed very recently that it used to be just stay away from whether it was at work or at school or stay away from that guy I mean at college there were guys yeah stay away from that guy yeah, I've worked at places where it was stay away from that guy, where, you know, women would take new women into the bathroom and say, hey, just an FYI, you know, stay away from so-and-so. That type of thing. The reason it was like that, instead of people going to human resources or whatever, is because it's very difficult to get anywhere with accusing and someone. It, but it still is, almost. It, it still is. is. It's in a things lot of haven't places, changed. a lot of cultures. Well, and as we said, look at the reaction. Just because Harvey Weinstein was brought down doesn't mean... That, oh, our whole culture has changed. It's because one gross pig was brought down. Well, and also it happened because, you know, that one little opening, it's like everybody was waiting for it almost. Just like with Bill Cosby. But you have to be really, although I have a feeling Harvey Weinstein's going to go down faster and bigger than Bill Cosby ever will. 
Because yeah. this Bill Cosby thing's been going on for a long time. And also, Harvey Weinstein has been fired from his company. Yeah. Bill Cosby is just an actor. Yeah, he, he has a lot of money. No one can fire yeah. any property. And, and one thing, yeah. too, is if people think, oh, well, look, what happened to Harvey Weinstein now? It's a new world. And it's not. It's not. You know, people. We elected someone just like him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And no one gave a shit. And there was a conversation for about two days last no year. Just about this time. Just about this time, yeah. Yep, just about this time. Mm-hmm. But, you but know. back to anyway. back to Peter Masden and Kim Wall. Well, so we'll update after. We'll be know. interested to see because I can't imagine if he did intentionally kill her and dismember her that maybe he's done something like that before. It, maybe he has. I mean, I can't imagine that maybe that would be has. his first time, but maybe it was. So. And so that was. Well, thank you. That was very enlightening. I, it was interesting to do because it was interesting to go to all the other sources yeah. and get the details about well, it. Well, next week I'm going to do one that's close to home. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you want to say anything more about it? No. Okay. Well, then I think. But I will say it probably wouldn't have happened, you know, pre-internet. Oh, oh, good. A, a social media crime. Yes, it Actually, is. I think yes, I know which one you're talking yeah. about. But and I don't think any other podcast would be doing. I don't it. think so either. Unless and they're copying. Maybe this this is my test to see who's actually copying. That's us. right. They're all copying us. Son of Sam. Yeah. Okay. But we have some recommendations. We have a recommendation. <laughs> so we both watched on Netflix the great series American Vandal. Yes. And, and was, I and I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't either. I had heard another podcast talking about it, and they thought it was very funny. For those of you who don't know what it's about, it's a satire of a true crime documentary. It's eight episodes. Mm-hmm. They're all between half an hour and forty five minutes long, and it's done by a couple, you know, Students. allegedly by a couple high school students. Yeah. And I love the way at the at the beginning it's like you know by the whatever high school audio visual yeah. club consultant or whatever mr baxter and the thing is that's funny if you are somebody and i'm sure if you listen to our podcast you're somebody who's watched and listened to a many. lot of many true crime shows and i wouldn't call it a parody or no, a satire it's a it's a takeoff it's a takeoff but it's done with a lot of affection yes. too and it reminded us both a lot i don't know if it's too early to say this uh, in our recommendation of Freaks and Geeks. It reminded me kind of a Freaks and Geeks. It reminded, it reminded me a lot. The two, it, the two yeah. kind of, the two boys. A combination of like Freaks and Geeks and like put things like The Keeper or something, it, it you know. Did, but yeah, well, it had the true crime aspect. Yes. The but it had the kids. But it had kind of the poignant high school aspect. Yes. Which, and it wasn't cliche high school no. stuff. It felt very realistic. I don't want to give too much away. But well, let's the, say what the premise. The, the premise is that somebody sprayed <laughs> penises on um, the teacher's car in the teacher's yes. parking lot during a workshop day. Sprayed a penis on each car. 27 cars. 27 cars. And the kid, Dylan. Yeah, Dylan gets... Gets accused of it yeah. because he's a known... He's a, one of the he's a known doofus. Di- he's a doofus and he's also a, a known... Dick, Dick drawer. drawer, although his are a lot different yes. than the ones that were on the cars. As they discuss. As they discuss. And so the boys who work for the audiovisual club, there's, a, I guess, a morning show at the high school. Yeah. Pretty funny. Are doing P- Peter. I wish my high school had had that. Yeah, Peter and Sam decide to do a documentary. And they're like sophomores. And yes. this Dylan kid is a, 
is senior. a senior, and they're they're cute because <laughs> they're they cute. look young. Nobody on the show looks like a uh, poser like they usually like a lot of times they have they on high school. They feel like real kids. They, All yes. the kids on the show, even if maybe some older people played them, it's hard to tell. Feel like real kids. And the teachers are, and the are, teachers. are look like real people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they remind me, they remind me of like teachers. that Mr. Kaz reminded me so much of teachers, teachers. in high school. And but he was coach. a little bit too cool. Like he... He, he wanted to be cool. He wanted he was, to be cool, but he was a loser. He was but, a loser. But the teachers that I'm thinking of in high school, if we had had social media, then they would have been like him, like he had yes. that Facebook page. Yeah, I know. The it's, two protagonists, the, I mean, not protagonists, but the two kids that are doing the, the documentary are really good. And they use a lot of the elements that we're familiar with in documentaries. Yeah, it's so to, funny. It's very <laughs> funny. That you, recreations. I mean, the, the way they do computer it. Computer recreations. You do get sucked into the story, though. You do. You get sucked in wanting yeah. to know if if he did it or not. You want or him if he didn't do it. Well, I I it's assume like that he didn't do it. It's kind of like making a murderer. It's kind of like make, where you want him to not have done it, yeah. and you can see why he was Targeted. nabbed for yeah. it. But you can also see the flaws. In the his friends are so funny. I love the way back boys. Although yeah. one of them's a girl. One's a girl, Brianna. Her last name's oh, Gagne, just like me. Although maybe because they're in California, they Gagne. might pronounce it Kanye or something. But there's some very poignant moments, which yes, I think there are. takes it to a new level. Like there's one part, and I'm not going to give it a lot of weight. They decide that whoever did it had to be one of the nine kids involved in the audiovisual program. And Sam and Peter agree that they have to look at themselves, so they have each other <laughs> do a little video report on themselves. And Sam doesn't take it that seriously because he knows his buddy Peter going to do it. was funny. His was funny, though. And he did a very, very funny one. But Peter is very serious and driven. And the one he does about uh, of Sam pretty much shreds the kid. Yeah. And, and ruins his life a little yeah. bit. And but it's done the way they do it. The reactions. I can just imagine if I were fifteen that that yeah. would yeah. And a lot of the ways they act and the things but their acting to do, is so good. It's, it's very, very good. it's because it's supposed kids. to be. It's kind of a combination reality show, true crime type of thing that it's you know purporting to be. Obviously, it's fiction. It's done very well. I didn't really see any false notes in people's acting. No, I didn't. None. I didn't. Ever, Everybody, I, I bought right into the the, the whole the premise. Vice principal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ms. Shapiro. The <laughs> Ms. Shapiro is great. Teacher. I liked her because she was such a well. Part of it is because she's chubby and real looking. Uh, looked like a teacher. She didn't look like you know Jennifer right. Lopez right. playing a teacher yeah. or something. Know, you know, know. And, the, and like the football coach teacher. Oh yeah, um, is very you've known. It's just funny. It is. It, I and mean, the, it's just good. it's me, just good. It's it's fun, it hits the right. It hits, it hits the right notes with satire and funniness, but the thing that really elevated it for me was also the poignant, awkward teenage things yes. and the the self-awareness that comes to some of the people and how that plays out. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's what made me think of yeah. Freaks and Geeks. That's true, yes. That, the, the, that kind of sudden awareness when things aren't as they seem. Yeah. And Freaks and Geeks is such a great show. And that captures that teenage 
field. I didn't think kids nowadays partied as much as we did back in the The, 80s, but apparently in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, apparently they did. That Nana's party. The whole thing with Nana's party was a riot. And it's a, but that reminded me. It reminded me so much. It reminded me of my age because uh, there would be a party where everybody went to and something happened and everybody would be talking talking about it. Oh, at so-and-so's party. And then for months later, they'd be talking about it. But the great thing about Nana's party is that because everybody had cell phones, they could capture stuff yeah. and they were able to recreate <laughs> a lot God of that, things. Thank God that it, there weren't things like that. Oh, when. I know. That's another thing I was thinking of. Boy, if there were cell phone cameras when we were teenagers, oh my God. So I highly recommend it. Yes, I do it's, too. And I don't think you have to be necessarily a true crime fan no. to get it. Although the more true crime documentaries you watch or shows or TV shows, the more things you'll laugh at. There are more levels of laughter because it's just, I hate to say parody. That seems so, that seems too it's strong not, a word. It's, it's not really It's parody. an homage almost. Uh, or, yes. Yeah. It kind of makes fun of some of the self-important yeah. things. Yes. But um, I think it treats a lot of things to do with true crime. I think anyone that affection. actually does like something like cereal. In some ways, it reminded me of the keepers because the two women that were yes. doing all the research and they, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's good. So highly recommend it. Yes. And so that's this week's episode. And you can find us at Crime and Stuff Online, our website, where you can subscribe to this. You and instead of say, I keep calling it iTunes, but it's really isn't an Apple podcast. So they say, although they haven't. Everyone af- still calls it iTunes. Well, they so. haven't officially notified us as podcasters with two podcasts, actually three if you count my notes from a cranky editor. They haven't officially notified us. I'm going to have one, too. You can. Go ahead. I can't think of anything else. And anyways, who would edit it for you? Maybe I would. Maybe if I, if I stay unemployed. This. This is, our podcast is totally like... Raw. Yeah, raw. We don't, raw. we don't have to edit. Oh, and we have lots of listeners for this. We're grateful for all our listeners. But we want to give a special shout-out to Mom and Dad's across-the-street neighbor, Ed, who told Dad that he saw the magnet on my car and listens to it on his commute oh. to New Hampshire. Hi, Ed. Thanks for listening. Oh, that's nice. He, and he I want to give a... Sh- it. it made it legitimate to Mom and Dad that oh, they actually yes. know somebody who listens to They are to very it. confused about the podcast. Yes. But, you know, I want to just give a shout-out to everybody that listens. You don't know how much it means if someone reaches out to us and says, and I know you hate that sentence. I do phrase, hate that. But Reach out. I mean it in the old-fashioned way, like that they're reaching out to. Yes. Yeah, anyway, that not not literally, but you know what I mean. That they're. I get they're figuratively reaching out. <laughs> to us. Making the effort to tell to us, us that they that listen, they like yep. or to talk to us, or to correct us, or to ask Which us we don't what's mind. going on. I don't don't give be a afraid. Shit. You want to talk to us? We're here. Yes, we listen. Want to tweet at us? Yeah, we're on Twitter. You can find us at. Crime and stuff. Yeah. If as many people followed us as listen to us, and you can also we could get a blue check mark. We, we we'd have to apply for it. Yeah, but we we can't apply for it now, and they'd be like, "Fuck you! You don't have." They would be. But in any anyway. case, we digress. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. We have to start putting more stuff on Instagram. And also, I know yeah. I say this every episode, but I am going to update our <laughs> more stuff page where we put links to much of our material. I think the last. So I'm behind. Yeah, I'll I'll try. Well, it's hard when I, you know, I have a lot of stuff to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm also a published mystery author. 
You are. I'm trying to You never my... mentioned that before. I don't think our listeners know that. Why else have a podcast if I can't plug my books? I don't think I do it as much as I could. I'm just teasing you. I know. Anyways, I don't really care. I have nothing. You know what's scary? So. You know what's scary is that I, you know, I do a lot of author events at libraries and stuff, and I'm doing one at a church in Freeport November 3rd. Are you afraid God's going to strike you down? And no, it's like Unitarian or something. Oh, yeah. Or like congregational. It. But they're charging. I think it's their annual. And I'm, I'm like, who the hell is going to pay? One of my customers is going to go. She told me. She oh. said, "She said your sister's speaking at a." Um, you told me she church. said I was speaking there. You yeah. didn't tell me she was going to go. Well, I'm assuming she's going to go. I Why would she mention that. it? Because she saw that I'm speaking there. And she, she said, "Oh, they have a lot of authors." No, she said something like, "Oh, I can't wait," or "I'm going to mm. say something to her," whatever. So say something like what? That she loves me. I did her kitchen like four years ago, and I've done two mm. of her bathrooms. So I'm a I'm a kitchen designer. In case anyone wants <laughs> You talk about it all the time. <laughs> it's but, not my vocation. But in any case, we should probably wind this up. So you uh, know where to find us. Yeah. You know what to do. Next week we'll Well, have, not next week. Well, next, time. next episode. Next episode. We're kind of... It's we're like trying. Every it's hard. Weeks. It's been busy for both of us. and. and we're trying, everybody. But I do thank everybody, all their support. We're coming up on our one year up. Anniversary. We'll do something special for our one-year anniversary show, maybe. Okay. We haven't thought about what, but it'll it'll be. I have I have some ideas, so okay, that's good. Okay, but anyway, thanks for listening. Thank you, everybody. Ugh, the guy in New Hampshire. Do you think that's one of ours? No, it's the car that's parked out there. I'm gonna wait till it stops. Why does it keep doing that? No, but I can hear where it's coming from. I mean, you can go look to see if it's one of ours, but why would it be one of ours? Mine goes off there it sometimes. Goes. Okay. But back to the torso. <laughs> but back to the torso. Can I just look? You can look if you want. Is it? Oh, can I see it out this yeah, window? Yeah, if you look out that window, you can see it. Is your curiosity satisfied? Not really. It never is with car alarms. You always hear them. I know. What's going on? It's never anything. Never I know. Anything. So what's no. the point of that?